And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Welcome, everyone, and Molly, it's great to have you here. Thank you. And today we have a special sound engineer yes, in the studio with us. We have your sister. You want to introduce her? Miss Kaylee Mayo. Kaylee, great to have you here. Thanks for uh, taking over the sound booth for us this morning. Yes. And we're going to do something different. We're going to read a book, kind of. We're going to read um, the highlights of my all-time favorite children's book, Teddy's Button. And um, 43 years searching for the greatest stories on earth that can build a child's Christ-like character, mm-hmm. helping them to learn that when suffering comes into their lives, they endure, which grows their character, what increases their hope, which allows them to experience God's lavish love. That's mm-hmm. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. And then in Romans chapter 4, mm-hmm. it says this. It says that Abraham was fully convinced that God would keep his promises. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about some of the podcasts we've done in the past, mm-hmm. how many promises are there? Uh, as many seeds of a pomegranate, was it? <laughs> no, that's the laws of God in the book of Genesis through Deuteronomy. Oh, I'm not sure then. That was 1, 613. How many? 1,667. Uh-uh. Come on, Molly. I've said this so many times. Okay, I forgot. 8,767 promises of God in the Bible. That's crazy. Give or take a few hundred. Okay. Okay? Okay, so that's a lot of promises. Mm-hmm. And that, that worldview that we're proposing... Uh, everyone has a presupposition in life. You know, mm. when something bad happens, do they trust God? Mm-hmm. Abraham was fully convinced God would keep his promises. Mm-hmm. You know, that was tough for him because he had to believe that God was going to raise his son from the dead because mm-hmm. he thought he had to sacrifice his son. I was actually just reading that the other day, and it was interesting because I think that's the verse in Hebrews where it said that he pleased God. And that's not written about too many people. Mm. And he pleased God because he came to him with faith, believing that he was who he said he says he was and then that oh. he could do it. I like that. You know, Moses' parents had to do the same thing. They had to put their son down the Nile River. Yeah. You know, and we're living in a day when Christian parents are going to have to make some difficult decisions. Mm-hmm. Things aren't going to get better. Um, we've, been, we've had some people that have, organizations that have uh, tried to influence us to move from western New York to... Um, the Nashville uh, Franklin area, mm. where our ministry would no doubt flourish, mm-hmm. and maybe we will someday. I don't know if we'll ever make that move, but you know the the political climate in New York is getting worse and worse, and more difficult for a nonprofit to do business in these areas. There's mm. more. Seems like there's just more restrictions um, every year, and now with the eighty-seven thousand. IRS agents, who knows what will happen with all of that. But mm-hmm. but we're, we're going to just continue to do what God has called us to do. But the reason I mention this is that God is going to require us to live by faith. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you, there's not a better there's better state to live in. There's not a better country to live in. I, I love yeah. the U.S., you know, but it's wherever God has placed you. Yeah, for sure. You live for the Lord with all your heart. There's Christians in China, Christians in Russia. Uh-huh. You know, they're not going to leave their country in order to escape some of the difficulty because mm-hmm. that's what our worldview is all about. Difficulty produces endurance, produces character, increases hope mm-hmm. that allows us to really experience God's love on a supernatural level. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and because God's not, He's not making our life easy so that we can enjoy the American dream. Mm-hmm. He's trying to make our lives holy so that we can experience eternal life with Him Amen. without regret. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, so we're we're going to get into this children's story, which does all of the things we've talked about just now. Mm-hmm. It helps children understand number one, 
how do they really come to know Jesus as their Savior? And number two, how do they grow in Christ-like character so that they can endure, which will increase their hope and experience God's love? And number three, <clears throat> they get to learn about the real battle, which is kind of cool because yeah. I feel like even now we're all fighting for something and Teddy learns just what that battle looks like because he's been looking his whole life for the enemy and he thinks it's this little girl, Nancy, and he's going to find out very quickly who the real enemy is. Okay, so let's set up the story. It's about a boy and girl that hate each other and they yes. learn, <laughs> learn that you don't win the battle with hate, you win the battle with love and your greatest enemy is yourself. That's the premise of the entire book. But it starts off, oh, I just gave it away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's all right. There's, There's a lot more to it than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, so this little boy and this little girl, um, they start off in this scene. It's a village scene with all the kids are standing around, and they're hearing Teddy's tell Teddy tell the story uh-huh. about his brave heroic father, who fought for England, fought for the Queen, and brought back the flag from the enemy. Mm-hmm. And Nancy, a little sailor girl, she's a mm-hmm. uh, She's the daughter of an admiral in the Navy, and Teddy's the son of a war hero, and she's listening to the story on the outskirts. She's just moved into town, and she's listening to the story with much attention. So let's get into the story, and um, we've never done anything like this before on a Fasten Like Nails podcast, but or broadcast, and but I think it will, um, it will um, teach something very very important, not just for mm-hmm. a child, but also for us as adults. How do we overcome the enemy? How do mm-hmm. we fight this enemy? There is a weapon that we're going to introduce that is 100%. It never fails. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. Chapter one, and we're going to just do uh, you know, a synopsis of this. We're not going to read it all. Tell us the story again, Teddy. Do go on and tell us, please. Okay, shouted Teddy with a smile. He loved to tell his story more than anything in the world. He gave the signal with his arms, and everyone began to quiet. It was a dark day. The enemy had taken the flag, and it looked like the queen would lose her crown. Then the captain cried out, Is there anyone brave enough to take the flag back from the enemy? All the men were silent, and nobody stepped forward. Nobody, that is, except father. He was tall and strong and a brave soldier who loved his country. He stepped up to the captain, saluted, and said, I, sir, I will bring back the colors. I will do it if it's the last thing I do and the last breath I take. All eyes were upon him. The captain saluted him. So father lifted his sword, straightened his shoulders, and shouted with a loud roar, Charge! The children sat, drop-jawed and awestruck. All attention was on Teddy. And how many times was he shot this time, Teddy? yelled Horace Gladstone as his little brother sat on his lap, smiling from ear to ear, waiting for the story to continue. Teddy gleamed as he began his favorite part of the story. His eyes danced and his whole frame quivered. He threw back his head and with a tongue, hand, and foot all in motion, Teddy knew he had an audience frozen in suspense. This was his moment. He proudly touched his large brass button, for this was the subject of his story. Teddy raised his arm and shouted, Hurrah! My father rushed forward. Come on, men, we'll save the colors. And they shouted, hurrah, as they followed. There were guns going off, shells flying, swords flashing. And the enemy poured on with fiery red faces and gnashing teeth. My father drew his sword, and no one can stand against him. No one. He cut and slashed, and the enemy began to flee one after another. He reached the flag, and with a shout, he raised it high. Then he looked around and saw that he was alone. 
The other soldiers had been beaten back. But was he in a worry? No, he picked up his sword and fought his way back. It was a race for life, and father would never turn back to the enemy. He pressed down and shouted, Hurrah! Till he got to his own side again, where he reached his captain. I've been shot up badly and pierced through with the sword many times, but I've got the colors, sir, he said as he saluted. Then he fell at the colonel's feet, never to speak a word again. His clothes were torn to pieces, and only one button remained on his coat. Holding the button from his shirt, Teddy declared, And this is the button of one of England's greatest heroes. The little speaker dropped his voice to a tragic whisper, then shouted triumphantly, And thirty bullets and six swords couldn't stop him. He was a soldier of soldiers, he was. No one had noticed the new listener who had joined the crowd. She stood in the back with her hands planted on her hips. Oh, I say, murmured the little skeptic, thirty bullets or was it fifty? And did your father have only one button to his coat? The voice was a strange one, and the boys turned around to meet the curious gaze of a sturdy little girl who had stood unnoticed in the group. She was not dressed like an ordinary village child, but wore a sailor suit with a bow to match. A rosy-cheeked, square-set figure she was, and her blue eyes, fringed with long lashes, looked straight at Teddy. One button, Teddy said. The coat was sent to mother with only one button left on, and if you had been there, you would have lost all your buttons and not had one left. The children clapped their hands to show Teddy that they were on his side, but the new little girl remained firm. Is that a true story you told, she demanded. Of course it's true, was the shout of all. Then I tell you, boy, I didn't believe a word of it. And your father ain't no hero, and you're a great big liar. With set lips, she turned on her heel and walked away. You should go and punch her in the nose, Teddy. No, Sam, you can't punch girls. And even if she'd been a boy, I couldn't have fought. I promise, Mother, I won't fight again. You see, I fought four boys in one week last time, and she said she won't have it. But I don't see why. If it's right for soldiers to fight, why isn't it right for boys? I think, perhaps, said Teddy slowly as he turned over on his back and looked up at the clear blue sky. I wasn't quite true about the bullets. I think it was six bullets and three swords. I forget how many times it was, but she said she didn't believe a word. The old church clock struck five. Teddy was up on his feet in an instant. With a wild whoop and shout, he galloped across the green with his curls flying in the wind and his feet hardly seeming to touch the ground. Breathless and panting, Teddy paused before crossing the stream. Breathless and panting, Teddy paused before crossing the stream. A curious figure stood on the other side of the footbridge. Neither could pass, and neither was willing to turn back. The sturdy girl in her sailor dress appeared to be quite a match for Teddy, who, with his head held high, looked like a warhorse scenting the battlefield. You're to let me come over first, she insisted, because I'm a girl and girls are first. I was here first, shouted Teddy, and I'm coming through. Boys never turn back. I am the daughter of the Admiral in the Queen's Navy, and I'm not turning back. I'm the son of a war hero. Turn back, I command. Both paused, but neither would give ground. Teddy shouted, I will never turn back on the enemy. I would disgrace my button if I did. He stood tall like a soldier. That old button, she spouted. Teddy's cheeks grew rosy red, but he said nothing. I'm coming over, and you can't stop me, she demanded. Then I shall push you over into the water. Come on and try, then. There was silence. They eyed each other doubtfully, as if measuring one another's strength. Their faces grew eager at the coming contest. Boys ought to always give way to girls. Always, Nancy said. You're not a proper boy at all. You're not a proper girl. 
You're wearing a sailor's outfit. I am a sailor's daughter. You say you're a soldier's son, so why don't you dress like one? Teddy felt he was getting the worst of it. He proudly held his button. If you weren't a girl, I'd fight you, sputtered Teddy. Pooh, I expect I could lick you. I don't believe you have half as big a muscle as I have on my arm. A girl have muscles? Ha! This proved too much for Nancy. With a grand hurrah, she made a quick rush across the plank. Teddy, seeing his enemy advancing, charged forth with his own grand charge! The two collided midway with a great shriek and a great splash. Both little figures fell into the stream. The water was not very deep, and soon they scrambled to dry ground, being brought to their senses by the cold water. Teddy began to laugh, but Nancy was very near tears. I'll tell my mother you nearly drowned me dead, she whimpered. If you're a sailor's daughter, you oughtn't be afraid of the water. Sailors and fish are always in the sea. They're never in it. Never. Well, they're just on it just the same. Why, you're nearly crying. But you're only a girl, and a sailor's girl can't be very brave. Not like a soldier's girl would be. Sailors are much braver than soldiers, said Nancy, quickly wiping her tears. And when they do fight, they're in much more danger than soldiers. When the ship begins to sink, they send up three cheers for queen and country and then stand on deck with folded arms and go down, down, down to the bottom of the sea and never make a cry. Well, said Teddy, they may sometimes be brave, but a sailor walks like a goose. He waddles. You're the rudest boy I've ever seen. As Nancy strutted off, Teddy called out after her. You made a pretty good charge for a girl, but you couldn't get past me. With one of his loud whoops, he raced home and hardly drew a breath until he reached the farmhouse door where his mother was cooking. Mother, wouldn't you say a soldier is braver than a sailor? Perhaps I might, Teddy, but a sailor can be quite as brave. Teddy's face fell. I never thought a sailor could fight at all, he said, looking down and digging his foot into the carpet. I thought they just took care of ships and now and then fired a big gun. Who's been talking about sailors? asked Grandmother, who had been sitting by, snapping beans. That new girl I told you of, Nancy is her name. Where did you see her? Down at the brook. We fell into the water together because we both wanted to cross at once. That was very naughty of you not to give place to her. Teddy's mother spoke reprovingly. I know it was, Mother, but I wasn't going to turn back. That would be running away from the enemy. You see, we met in the middle, and she's not a nice girl at all. She's so proud about sailors. Just as proud as you are of the redcoats, I guess, old Mrs. Platt said. Well, I'm a soldier's son. I don't like a sailor's daughter. I know that. I think she is kind of an enemy. You mustn't have enemies. It is wrong to talk so. Teddy's thoughts were busy. He went back to the moment where he was standing on the footbridge, ready to charge. Should he have given way, or should he have fought the enemy? So, Molly, we're, uh, <laughs> we're already in Chapter 3. What do you think so far about the story? Uh, it's a great story. Yeah, I like this one. It's sad because we're doing a super heightened, condensed version, and the book has so much detail, mm -hmm. but um, we could keep them here for like 13 hours. <laughs> it does capture everybody's attention, though. I imagine our listeners right uh -huh. now want us to just keep going with the story rather than giving any kind of narrative about right. it. Okay, let's just keep going. It The story speaks for itself. Now we're going to go to a church. Teddy's been warned by his mother not to misbehave for mm -hmm. any reason because mm -hmm. last week he got into a lot of trouble. And so he's going to sit up there with his feet sticking out over the, over the seat, and um, he's going to listen to Pastor Upton. And lo and behold, somebody comes into church, <laughs> and none other than Nancy. It was a Sunday morning. Along a sweet-scented lane, profuse with honeysuckle and wild roses, Teddy's mother walked, holding her little son tightly by the hand. 
The church bells were ringing as Teddy made his Sunday promise to be good. I will try, Mother. I will keep my hands tight in my pockets and my feet close together. I'll pretend that every word that comes out of the pastor's mouth is like a bullet from the firing squad. I won't blink an eyelash. I'll sit there brave as a blindfolded man. I won't fidget. I promise, promise, I'll be good today. As Teddy sat quietly beside his mother, he murmured to himself, Twenty soldiers in front of me, twenty rifles pointing. I shall stand like a rock. I'll set my teeth. I shan't even blink my eyes. Now I see the officer coming. He's going to say, present arms. I'm not moving a muscle. Five minutes more they'll give me. Teddy's thoughts were interrupted by an unexpected sight. Directly facing him was Nancy, seated between her mother and grandfather, still wearing her sailor suit. With those dark eyes fixed on him, how long could he remain still? His little hands worked nervously in his pants pockets. Why did she stare at him so? Teddy stared back, but his patience gave way, and he scrunched up his nose with a terrible frown. Instantly, Nancy stuck out her tongue. <laughs> Teddy was so furious, he just couldn't stand it any longer. Like a kettle of steam boiling over, he burst out, I hate you! All eyes turned upon him. Teddy was so mortified, he just wanted to crawl under the pew. He knew that at the end of the service, he would have to face Pastor Upton, and he was fully prepared to surrender to the harshest punishment. And how are you today, Mrs. Platt? greeted the pastor at the doorway. And you, my little friend, he smiled. I would like to invite you over for tea at five o'clock today. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I don't drink tea, said Teddy. Well, my friend, you'll learn to drink it today. I'll see you precisely at five o'clock. With a smile undetected by Teddy, Pastor Upton reassured Mrs. Platt that he would be gentle. Pastor Upton had his own way of doing things, people said, and he would rather reason with culprits like Teddy than scold them, whether they were grown men or women or children. Mm -hmm. Wow, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. He had his own way to deal with culprits mm -hmm. hmm. rather than uh, bullying them. and Or making them feel bad even, like mm -hmm. just judging them. Yeah, I like that. Teddy is in a very awkward situation. He's going to go to have tea. Oh, by the way, I remember when I was edit editing this, and yeah. tea back then wasn't really drinking the kind of tea that we drink here. Really? Yeah, a lot of it was just actually a dinner. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That makes sense. Time for tea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was, it's funny. This is a little off topic, but I was remembering one of the books that family were unexpectedly poor, and they were complaining because they are like, oh, no. We, we can't have six meals a day anymore. We have to have three. <laughs> <laughs> and I was laughing. I was like, whoa. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> because we have three. Okay, so the, the story has brought us this far with Teddy and his enemy, Nancy. Mm -hmm. And now he's let it go in church. I hate you. And now he's got to face the music. He's got to go and talk with Mr. Mm -hmm. Upton at 5 o'clock. So let's start there at, where Teddy's going to knock on the door and see what's waiting for him. Dun, and dun, dun. what's waiting for him he would never expect. And I would think even as our listeners are listening to this, I don't think they can expect mm -mm. what's waiting for Teddy behind the door. Mm -hmm. Let's see what happens. At half past four, Teddy stood on the pastor's doorsteps. Peering through the window, he saw a broad hallway that led through a glass door into a brilliant flower garden. Beautiful wood carvings covered the stairs, and the shiny floors revealed the work of a tidy housekeeper. Soon the pastor appeared and led him to his study. We have some time before tea to have a little talk, my boy. Mr. Upton smiled and gently placed his big hand on Teddy's shoulder, instantly putting him at ease. He placed a large Bible in front of him. I'd like you to read this Bible verse to me. 
he said, pointing to the text. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer, Teddy solemnly read. That will do. Now think it over for five minutes and then tell me what your thoughts are about it. The boy hung his head in shame. He didn't move until the five minutes were over. Then he said timidly, I wouldn't hate a brother, sir. I wouldn't. I'd like to have one, in fact. A mountain stirred within him, and without restraint he added, And I'm sure glad she ain't my brother, because I hate her so. (laughs) Well, my friend, I must inform you that the Scriptures do indeed teach that your sister and your brother are precisely the same. A brother can mean any person in the world, man, woman, or child. Even Nancy. Then I ought to be hung. In a more cheerful tone, the pastor turned to the little culprit. I think I see the heart of the problem. You want to fight the enemy. Yes, sir, sounded Teddy, as if reporting for duty. Now tell me the whole story and why it is you dislike Nancy so much. Teddy was ready with his defense, and he poured out such a story that Pastor Upton was quite bewildered when Teddy finished. It's father's button I care about, exclaimed Teddy, touching his beloved button proudly. And she didn't believe me a bit. She put out her tongue as long as she could. It was like having an enemy staring right at you in the face with hands tied behind your back. It was a severe moment, I tell you. Before the pastor could offer any comment, tea was announced. Taking the child by the hand, he marched into the dining room. Hot tea cake, strawberry jam, and plum cake kept our little friend fully occupied for some time. And now, said Mr. Upton toward the end of the meal, I would like to talk to you some more. Your father was a brave soldier. He saved the colors. You want to grow up like him, don't you? Oh, yes, sir, I do. There's nothing more in the entire world that I desire. There's a little verse in God's word that describes our Lord's banner, his colors, the flag that is. Mr. Upton explained as he turned to the Old Testament and pointed to a verse that had been well underlined. What does this verse say, Teddy? His banner, that's the flag, isn't it? Yes, said Mr. Upton. His banner over me is love. Teddy repeated the verse slowly with interest. It is a wonderful banner, said Mr. Upton thoughtfully. The enemy is in constant pursuit of destroying it. In the thick of the fight, we raise our colors high, and it is our king who leads the charge. I didn't know England had a king, sir. I thought he died long ago, and now we serve our majesty the queen. Teddy looked mystified and didn't understand of whom the pastor was speaking. Teddy, continued Mr. Upton, long ago my king was severely wounded during his greatest battle. It appeared that the enemy had won, and all of the soldiers but one fled to the hills. It was the longest three days the world had ever seen. The sun was darkened and the ground quaked. Mothers cried, and even soldiers were afraid. But on that third day something happened that the world had never seen. Our king, King Jesus, that is, walked right out of the grave, and he's been carrying the banner ever since. At first he recruited just twelve men. Then they recruited others to follow. Now there are thousands of us, tens of thousands. Teddy drew a long breath, and when the pastor paused, he cried out, Please go on, sir. I'd like to hear more. Do you think the king will let me hold up the banner for him? If you have enlisted in his service, said Mr. Upton, are you one of his soldiers? Oh, no, sir. I do think I'm a bit young, but I would surely be a drummer boy if he'd let me. The king is looking for soldiers, Teddy, and the younger they are, the better. You mean I can enlist before I become a man like father? That's right. God wants each of us to present ourselves to him if we want to enlist in his army. 
Why, my boy, do you believe that Jesus died upon the cross to save you? While you were his enemy, do you know that he died for your sins so that you could be on his side? Yes, said Teddy, fixing his blue eyes earnestly on the pastor. I really believe he did, for mother has often explained it to me, but I just understand it now. Then why were you fighting for the enemy today? Perhaps you have never really enlisted. Are you marching along with the enemy? Teddy's small hands clenched and his eyes lit up. I'll enlist at once, sir. I'll be one of God's soldiers now. Where do I sign up? How are you going to do it? I, I don't know. Tell me, please. Pastor Upton met the child's earnest gaze and realized how much Teddy hung on his every word. You must tell God about yourself and don't be in a hurry. Kneel down quietly somewhere and, first of all, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Pray that your sins may be blotted out, forgiven, that is, and that your name may be written in the book of life because Jesus died for you. Then tell God you want him to enlist you and then give yourself right up to him for now and forever. Pastor Upton spoke slowly and carefully. Teddy remained silent, then said, If I enlist, shall I have to be God's soldier forever and ever, till I am an old man of a hundred with white hair and no teeth? Would you rather be a soldier of the enemy? Of course not. You are quite right to think it over. I would rather you did not decide too hastily. Go home and think about it, and come and tell me when you have decided. The boy's golden brow crumpled with anxious creases. I should like to be one of God's soldiers, but who shall I have to fight? Any real enemies or only make-believe? I will tell you about your enemies after you've enlisted. I can show you a very real one that is your worst enemy if you return. Can you? A real live one? No, real live one. Teddy grinned. Now, added Mr. Upton, if you enlist, the first person you will have to hold your banner over is that little girl whom you said you hated. Before you go, I'd like to pray for you. So kneel down with me. The evening sunshine streamed in through the open window, and alighting on the white hair of the minister and the boy's fair curls as they knelt together, bathed them in a golden glory. With closed eyes and folded hands, Teddy listened to Mr. Upton's prayer. Loving Father, another lamb I bring to thee. Guide him in his decision, and if he enters thy fold, use him and bless him through all eternity. Grant that he may fight a good fight of faith and love. For Jesus Christ's sake, amen. Whew, that's a great chapter, isn't it? Oh, how to lead a little child to Christ. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Molly, we've had so many parents write to us from all over the world telling us how their child has enlisted in the old Lord's Army, That's boys amazing. and girls. I'll never forget this one mom. She wrote to me and she said, my, my uh, son, who is eight years old, in the middle of the sermon, just he kept listening. His, mm -hmm. You could tell he was hanging on every word. And at the very end, the um, pastor did not give an altar call. Oh, wow. And this little boy goes up all the way Aww. to the front. And, uh, and the pastor looks at him and says, can I help you? And he, he stands up straight and he puts his hand in a salute fashion. He says, reporting for duty, sir. Oh, that is so cute. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Oh, and we heard about these um, fourth graders in a Christian school in Ohio mm -hmm. where uh, two of the boys had been, like, just fighting all all uh, semester long. Mm -hmm. And the and, uh, teacher read the story, and both boys gave their life to Christ. That's and now amazing. they're fighting together against the enemy, mm -hmm. and which we're going to now we're going to come face to face with Teddy's most frightening enemy. But first, we're going to have a simple prayer. Um, we're not going to pray, but we're going to look at Teddy, <laughs> Teddy's prayer. 
chapter 5. And Molly, I'm going to have you begin to read this one. Sure. The moment school ended, Teddy slipped away and was soon dodging in and out of the thick, overhanging trees along the edge of his favorite stream. His little feet sped swiftly along, and as he ran, he spoke to himself in a whisper. I'll go right to the wood and won't let a squirrel see me, not even a rabbit. I must be quite quiet, and I shan't come away till I've done it. Roaming here and there, peeping around corners and thrusting his curly head in amongst the bushes, it was fully half an hour before he chose his spot. It was a secluded little nook under an old oak tree, where the moss grew thick and green around the gnarled trunk. Teddy straightened his cap and knelt on the ground. Looking up through the green leafy tree above him, he stood with clasped hands and parted lips for a moment, in perfect silence. The soft wind played gently with his curls. In the distance, the birds' sweet voices were the only sounds that met his ears. Placing his clasped hands against the old tree, Teddy prayed aloud. Oh, God, here I am. Have you been waiting for me? I've come to enlist. And please, I forget all Pastor told me, but will you forgive my sins and write my name down in your book in heaven? Edward James Platt is my name. I've come to be your soldier forever. Will you please keep me always? I never want to go back from being your soldier. Make me fight a grand fight and help me to hold your colors up well. And please, God, will you tell Father I've enlisted this afternoon? Pastor said you would take me. I thank you for letting Jesus die for me. And I'm very sorry I haven't belonged to his army before. But I didn't quite understand that he wanted me. And the enemy has outright tricked me and taken me a prisoner. I didn't even know that I was fighting for that enemy. Help me to be a good boy for mother and a grand soldier for Jesus, my King and my Savior. Amen. Teddy prayed with the faith of a child. And as he rose to his feet, he had the assurance that God had accepted and forgiven him. That scene in the wood where he dedicated himself to the service of the King of Kings would be stamped on his memory as long as he lived. And now that the deed was done, a great load seemed to be lifted as he skipped off. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's very sweet. It is. I, I love hearing a child coming to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's not always the same. You know, mm-hmm. they have a different understanding, but they, they usually understand that Jesus paid for their sins mm-hmm. and wants them to be one of his children. I yeah. love that. Love that. It was told in a very real way, too, because he's this mischievous storyteller, and he wants to go somewhere where, where no one will see him, mm-hmm. which is kind of unlike him, but he knew that it, this was like a moment yeah. between him and God. I love when he says, my name is, <laughs> when he, he gives, he Edward, gives Edward James Platt is my name, because he's yeah. gonna write, God's going to write it down in his book, <laughs> book of life. So cute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is quite a story. Mm-hmm. Okay, now Teddy has come to know the Lord. He's uh-huh. one of his soldiers. Now he's got an enemy to fight. Yes, he does. You ready to go? Yes. Soon Teddy met with the boys playing cricket on the green. He fielded and batted with such vigor that he proved himself the hero of the hour. On his way home, he paid the pastor a visit. Please, sir, I've done it, he explained breathlessly as he met him at the door. What have you done, Teddy? Teddy stood upright, saluted, and exclaimed heartily, Reporting for duty, sir. I've enlisted in the king's army. Ah, new recruit, eh? And so you've done it, have you? Thank God. Teddy beamed. I enlisted this afternoon, sir. I am reporting for duty. Having said this, Teddy saluted once again. For life, did you? No short service with God. Yes, for life, sir. May God keep you true to himself, my boy, all your days. Then Teddy remembered the pastor's promise. Please, sir, you said you would show me one of the enemies I have to fight. 
Now that I'm a soldier, I mustn't waste time in defeating the enemy. Ah, did I? One of the many, which one, I wonder? A real live one, you said. Yes, I remember. Come this way. Pastor Upton led Teddy into his drawing room and asked him to stand still for a moment. Okay, Mr. Platt. When I count to three, I want you to turn around. And when you do, you will be facing your most frightening enemy. Are you ready? I reckon so, sir. Do you think I'll be able to beat him today? I think you'll have a good turn at beating him. Stand straight. One, two, three. Now turn around. Teddy turned and found himself standing in front of a large mirror that touched the floor. Aw, that's just me. That's right, Teddy. You are your own worst enemy, and you will be fighting you for the rest of your life. Not only that, you will also be fighting others with love. Please, sir, I don't understand. Sit down here beside me, and I'll explain it to you. As you try to serve the Lord Jesus, you will find that you have two teddies to deal with, a good one and a bad one. The bad one is your enemy. Now, you told me that you were angry with that little girl. Are you angry still? I've forgotten all about her. I I don't love her, but I don't hate her neither. The bad teddy in you doesn't really like her, but the good teddy will try to. You must fight against the bad teddy and overcome him. Jesus will help you. You can't fight without him. Jesus is not like other kings. He doesn't command his soldiers from behind. He'll go straight into the battle with you, and he'll never leave you. But even though he's with you, there will be times when your enemy will get the best of you. I know, said Teddy thoughtfully. Last week, some fellow said, come and let's get some apples from the park orchard. I wanted to awful. That was my bad self. But now I know that that would be stealing. That's my good self, isn't it? Quite right. Keep close to your captain. Hold his banner high, and remember, press on, forward. No territory must be given to the enemy. So, Molly, one of the things in that chapter that's left out, um, just because of time, is Teddy wants to name his his bad yeah, side of him. Right. And uh, Teddy names his bad side Bully. Yep. And I love that. But in the original Teddy's Button book, um, his name was, I think it was Ego. Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the name of that, so I changed it to Bully. I think mm-hmm. that just helps kids to s- understand the, the enemy they're fighting within all the time. So so Teddy's now got this an understanding mm-hmm. that when he does something wrong, he's got to fight the bad Teddy inside of him, which is now going to be called Bully. Mm-hmm. And the good part of Teddy is always going to be fighting others with love. Mm-hmm. And his first assignment as a soldier is to go and win Nancy over with love. Mm-hmm. And he's going to take an apple to her to show that um, he has uh, forgiven her and mm-hmm. she, he wants her to forgive him. And uh, she does not quite get that when she first sees him. And so she runs away and they're going to be running up into a tree and we'll see what happens there. Now I've got to find Nancy, said Teddy as he walked through the woods. I've got to hold up my banner of love over her. I hope she'll like it. She's a horrid, ah, that's my enemy just about to speak. A horrid girl, you were going to say, weren't you, Teddy Platt? Now you just get out of here. Nancy is a very nice girl. At least she soon will be. I've got to fight you, enemy. If you say such things, why, there she is, climbing that tree. Teddy gave a whistle. Oh, it's a nasty little button boy. You can't catch me, Nancy taunted. Instantly, Teddy darted to the tree. Up they went until they could go no further. Seating herself on a comfortable limb, she grinned at him. You couldn't catch me. You don't know how to climb. My father taught me how to go up the rigging as far as any sailor boy, and this is my ship. 
But I'll let you sit down by me if you behave yourself. Teddy was silent as he tried to catch his breath and wondered how to make peace. I think we're pretty close to heaven, he remarked, lifting up his soft blue eyes to the clear sky above. Teddy pulled a large white handkerchief out of his pocket. He tied it carefully to a twig and held it up in front of her. I did it myself this morning, he said with pride. I asked Uncle Jake for one of his best handkerchiefs. He gave it to me last night, and I did it with a pen and ink just before breakfast. Can you read it? Nancy looked at the straggling, uneven black letters that occupied the whole width of the white cloth. Love, she said curiously. What's it for? It's my banner of love that I'm going to carry for my captain. It means I've got to love you. I don't want you to love me, she said. I've got to do it. How are you going to do it? I'm, I'm not quite sure. I'm never going to fight with you, and it's hard, very hard, but I've got to tell you that I'm sorry I wouldn't let you cross the bridge first, and I'm sorry I said I hated you in church. Are you really sorry? I think I am. At least part of me is. My enemy isn't, but I am. Nancy did not understand. And you'll never get angry or set those horrid boys at me anymore? No, I never will. Teddy pulled a big rosy apple out of his pocket and presented it as a peace offering. Nancy took it, and as her little white teeth bit into it, she said with an impish grin, And have I got to love you? I think you had better, because it will make it much easier. Well, I will then, if you'll do one thing. What is it? Give me that old button of yours. Teddy gasped. Give you father's button? Never, never, never. I'll never give it up. It will stay on my coat till I'm a hundred. Do you know what I would do if I lost my button? No. What? My heart would burst and break, and I would curl up in a corner like a wounded dog. Well, I'll never love you proper till you give it to me, she warned. Will you like me just a little instead, Teddy asked, trying to make a deal. I might do that. And you won't ever say you don't believe Father's story? I won't promise. As she took her last bite, she added, I'll hear more of your stories first. Tell me about the great sea serpent. I heard that you know all about it. Teddy said slowly, I make believe I do, but I don't make believe with Father's story. Shall I tell you about when I found a little door in the old oak tree leading down some steps that took me to a lost world? It sounded enchanting, and Nancy eagerly waited. Hours passed as Teddy poured out his stories of treasures and dinosaurs, underground glories, thrilling adventures, and narrow escapes. Was it any wonder that with such a gift for storytelling, Teddy was the king of the village? As the story came to an end, Nancy drew a deep breath as she heard the last sentence. And I quickly opened the door, and there I was outside the oak, safe in the wood again. Oh, Button Boy, I do like you. Will you tell me another story soon? Perhaps I will, said Teddy triumphantly. But I'm going home now. I only came out to have a think and to make friends with you. What made you come and make up? After a scramble down, they stood at the foot of the tree, and Nancy became more serious. You said something about your captain. Who is he? He's Jesus, and his banner is love. So I have to love everybody, whether I like them or not. Why? Because he wants me to, and I'm one of his soldiers now. I must obey his command, for he is my captain. Has, uh, has Jesus any sailors? Teddy had never considered it before. Hmm, I reckon he does. He went fishing often enough. I'll ask Mother, and then I'll tell you. I must go home now. Goodbye. We're going to be friends? Yes, we're going to be friends, she repeated, and then away they scampered in different directions. But I shan't really love you till you give me your button. Mm. <laughs>
I love it. <laughs> that, that is an endearing chapter. Is this one yeah. of your favorites? Yeah, yeah, that was one of my favorites. Oh, I think that's one of my favorites it's too. It's so sweet. Well, even the part where um, they're kind of talking back and forth, he tells this story, and so she's warming up, and then, uh, and then now she's asking about the sailors. It's all just very childlike, very. It's really well done, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, so those that are listening, oh, this is really a silly statement. <laughs> <laughs> If you're not listening, then you're probably not even on this station. Go find the people who weren't listening and tell them. <laughs> so uh, Teddy's Button comes in three different versions. Mm-hmm. First, the um, unedited um, version of Teddy's Button. Um, that's this beautiful red book with a mm-hmm. sticker on it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is uh, our very first printing of Teddy's Button. And then we did it into an a, uh, illustrated, um, edited children's book but it's still very it's a lot of text yes 48 pages so what we're reading now is that version the illustrated children's version Mm -hmm. version cut down about in half and then we've taken some scenes out so there is so much more if you're interested in this story like go and buy the original hardcover red book that's it's flawless It's about 180 pages 176 pages i think yeah and this one's 48 pages and then Mm -hmm. we adapted it we went to england Mm -hmm. um and we adapted it into an audio drama. Yes, which is much better than the studio with Mark and I. <laughs> it is an amazing drama. I'll never forget Peter Morton was mm. um, the man. That, and by the way, I don't think this is actually in the the book, Teddy's Button. Things were definitely added to the Yeah, audio. we added that whole mm-hmm. part there where Peter Morton comes in. Oh, what cool. a cast we had. Mm. Yeah, he's uh, he's the one that caused... Teddy's father to die in the war. Whoa. Teddy's father went to, um, had to go back because of him. The ultimate test of forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the audio dramas, just in general, if you're interested in the audios, those have a lot more spice. We usually add something yeah. unexpected and yeah. surprising in each one. Now we have 32 audio dramas. Uh-huh. And We're that... so excited. Crown of Success is almost out. Molly, I know you haven't heard the post Mm-mm. edits of it it's incredible no. we've never done any drama like this i'm john, so excited john campbell and alan hurley outdid themselves mm-hmm. phil lawler too well phil yeah. in the writing of it yeah uh-huh. but these two guys in post-op it's incredible the Aww. the music i've never heard john do music like this ever wow it's well this is unlike any audio drama we've done before no, this is yeah. extremely creative it is so creative it's like it's like a combination of alice in wonderland yeah uh-huh Ch- uh, Willy Wonka. <laughs> Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory uh-huh. and Majorium. Yeah. It's like all three put together, but it uh-huh. teaches some of the most amazing truths about children, how they prepare for their future, mm-hmm. the houses of head, mm-hmm. you know, and how mm-hmm. do they how do they collect um, the right type of wisdom to yeah. uh, stay away from folly and pride and procrastination. I love the scene. Wait to hear the scene with procrastination running around uh-huh. stealing time. It, Mr. Amusement's Bazaar. Yeah, it's so well done. Oh, fun. Yeah, time I'm, flies. I'm so excited. Yeah. Okay, so um, you have 32 audio dramas, and we're coming to the last uh, redacted chapter here with Teddy's Button. We're just giving you a little little taste of this amazing story. Mm-hmm. Um, Mrs. Amy Lefevre wrote this story in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. She was a French Huguenot. Um, others might know them as French Huguenots, but that's not the right pronunciation. Huguenots. We say Huguenot. Yeah. And the Huguenots were, um, they were a Christian group for the most part. They were driven out of France in the 1600s. Mm. And um, tens of thousands of them were killed. 
by King Louis the Fourteenth, I believe it was, and uh, because they they were the um, educated ones, they knew the Bible, they ran the banks, and so mm-hmm. they wanted their money, and they uh, they got rid of the Huguenots. Um, some settled here in America um, before the Revolutionary War, and they settled in a place called New Paltz, mm. New York. Yeah. So Paltz, France, is mm-hmm. a city. New Paltz here. It's right at the very base of Mount Mohonk. Oh, crazy. In the Catskills. Yeah, the settlement is still there. Um, as many times as we've been to Mohonk yeah, I you know, with the students, ever... I should take you guys there to yeah. see it. It's, it's fascinating. These houses still standing after all these years. Was Amy Lefevre, was she there? In, in Did she the, ever go to New Paltz? New... She, oh, oh, you know, it's interesting you say that. Um, I don't know that. Mm. I think Amy Lefevre actually lived in London. Mm. And then uh, what's interesting about the story is that my wife, Debbie, she lived with a Mrs. Lefevre in New Paltz. <laughs> That's funny. In New Paltz, uh, New York, when she was in school. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so we're here at the last chapter of Teddy's Button. And it's not the last chapter. It's just we're going to give you a synopsis of it. We're not going to tell you how it ends. Here we go. Uh, Chapter 8, Swimming Excursion. So we left off with um, her saying she's not going to... I will not love you till you give me your button. button. (laughs) Let's see what happens. One bright summer day, Teddy and Nancy were fishing together. As they sat on the low stone bridge with fishing lines dangling carelessly out of the water and their merry voices ringing out with laughter, one would not be surprised if they had never caught a single fish. Suddenly, Nancy drew Teddy's attention to his button. Why, it's nearly coming off, she cried. I told Mother it was getting loose yesterday. I think I'll pull it right off and put it in my pocket. What would happen if I lost it, he cried. He jerked at the button as he spoke, and it slipped from his grasp and rolled away on the path. The temptation was too great for Nancy. Like lightning, she was after it, and in a flash she stood beaming with the button clenched tightly in her hand. Give it to me at once, demanded Teddy, quivering with agitation. Nancy's brown eyes sparkled with mischief. Aha! Little button boy, I've got it at last, and I shall take it home and have it sewed on my jacket. I shall fight you, cried Teddy. If you don't give it to me at once, it isn't yours. You would be a thief if you kept it. Give it to me this minute. Shall I throw it into the river? Teased the saucy little girl. Teddy darted forward and then began a tussle. He tried to wrench her hands apart while she exerted all her strength to keep them closed. Teddy let out a triumphant cry as Nancy's fingers peeled open, but the button slipped away with such force that it flew violently out. Splash! Into the river it went. Nancy gave a cry, and without a word, Teddy plunged in after it head first. Nancy watched in breathless silence. As the boy slipped beneath the water, she waited and noticed that he did not come back up. So, Molly, there it is, Teddy's Button yeah. and Nancy. Yes. Definitely the best children's book I've ever read. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't end there. No, it doesn't. And um, they're all different versions. You uh-huh. know, the illustrated, the uh, unedited, and the audio drama. Mm-hmm. Um, they all have different parts to it, unique surprise surprises mm-hmm. within it. But mom and dad and grandparents, if you have children that um, don't know the Lord as their Savior, this is an amazing story that will help them to know how to come to Jesus as their mm-hmm. Savior, to enlist in the Lord's army, and also how to fight, you know, the enemy within. Mm-hmm. I just think it, it has it all. It's, um, I wish I had this book when my children were young because it really would help us to understand, help them and mom and dad to understand that um, we're not fighting each other. Mm-hmm. We're fighting the battle mm-hmm. within. And uh, so... 
thanks for uh, reading with me today. Yeah, that was this has fun. Been, yeah, this has been fun. It was creative. Um, Never yeah. Never see anything like this again. Maybe. <laughs> let's let's try this again with maybe Sir Knight of the Splendid Way. Oh, that would be cool. Wouldn't it? Yeah, if we could condense that down. Awesome. Well, thanks for being with me, Mal, and we'll look forward to doing this again. God bless. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit lamplighter.net slash podcast and fill out the form. That's lamplighter.net slash podcast.